0: Hello, my friends, and Merry Christmas to you from the Makers and Mystics podcast. I wanted to let you know we're going to be taking a few weeks off to spend with our families and get prepared for all that's coming in the new year. But before we sign off, I want to take a moment and say thank you to everyone who has been listening to the show, supporting the podcast, and participating in our yearly The Breath in the Clay Creative Arts Gatherings. We're grateful for your participation in this growing creative community, and we couldn't do this without you. As a gesture of our gratitude and appreciation to our listeners, we have a special gift for you. In the show notes of this episode, you'll find a link to thebrethintheclay.com. On the ticketing platform, if you type in the coupon code LIVEINTHEMYSTERY with no spaces or capitals, you'll receive 10% off your general admission registration. And this offer will remain active until Christmas Day. If you aren't familiar, the Breath in the Clay is our yearly weekend gathering, packed full of performances, keynote talks, times of worship, and community gatherings, curated to inspire and challenge you along your creative and spiritual journey. And if you've already gotten your tickets to The Breath in the Clay, or if you're one of our monthly patrons, you'll already have had your private access code to the event. But what an incredible gift this would be for the artist or the creative in your life, sponsoring someone's trip to The Breath in the Clay promises to be a life-changing gift for them. Follow the link in the show notes or go to thebreathintheclay.com and type in the coupon code live in the Mystery" and you'll receive 10% off general admission. For today's bonus episode, I'm gonna share highlights and outtakes from earlier episodes with a few of our presenters who will be joining us at the upcoming Breath and Clay gathering. I'm gonna start with this short outtake from my interview with Jeremy Cowart. Jeremy Cowart is an award winning photographer, entrepreneur, and visual artist from Nashville, Tennessee. This clip is Jeremy's advice to young artists seeking to find their unique artistic voice. One thing that I was really curious to ask you about, you've said a lot of things, even on your Instagram and different places that I've, I've read uh, some of your thoughts, uh, where you've been very encouraging to emerging artists, and you've even given some practical advice to other photographers about setting up shoots and, and how they can make money from their art. And I'm curious what thoughts you might have to share with the Makers and Mystics audience to those artists that are finding their way in the marketplace, looking to make their art a bit more of a vocation when someone asks you that question, and I know you're asked that a lot, what comes to mind for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, the million dollar, you know, main uh, answer for or direction for any artist of any kind is to figure out what you have to say, you know, and and how you're going to say it, you know. It doesn't matter what camera you're using or what light you're using. So many, especially in my industry, the photo industry get caught up in having all the gear and they forget what they're, you know, Ultimately, trying to do, which is figure out what they have to say or what their style is going to be, or their vision. You know, um, I've seen photographers become super, super famous and wealthy just with a point-and-shoot camera. You know, um, and I love that because they prove it's not about anything else. You know, it's not about the lighting or the post-production or the retouching or the, you know. It's just about your vision, you know? So um, that's that's where photographers and artists of any kind really need to start.
0: This next clip comes from my conversation with abstract artist and presenter, Linicia Rouse-Tinsley, on James Baldwin's view of the artist's role in making the world a better place. I wanna go back to, you mentioned James Baldwin as being one of the people that have inspired you. And you mentioned specifically his essay, The Creative Process. And I went and I found this essay and I printed it out and I went outside on my deck and I drank my cup of coffee. Yes. <laughs> and I read over this essay by James Baldwin on the creative process. And I can see why this is a piece that you return to over <laughs> and over, you know. And in the, short, yeah. in the short time that I spent with it, I've got like a billion underlines. And so I wanted to ask you, what stands out to you most from this essay?
2: Yes. Yeah, so, the fir- it is a piece that I read um, at least once a month um, for the past couple of years. And the first paragraph always uh-huh. gets me and causes uh-huh. me to pause. Uh, and especially when it ends with the role of the artist, right, is to illuminate this dark wilderness within us. Uh-huh. Um, because ultimately, it's, our work is to make this world a more human dwelling place. I love it. Uh, Yes. (laughs) So good. So (laughs) So good. So good. And for me, yeah, there's just so many layers and just places where I could go with that. But I find those words to be so freeing for the kind of art that just naturally comes out of me. Because I do tend to create with, um, like, I don't avoid The pain, the joy, and the sorrow that exist, and the marriage of the two. I'm not just going to paint bright, colorful flower pictures, and we need people who can do that. But my work is really just always going to kind of go to like the root of like what it means for me to be a human and to exist. And sometimes it's not all flowery and pretty. And when I read his words, it's like, yeah. And we need we need art that helps us to kind of engage to that part of ourselves too Um, helps us to be honest about our lives and that helps to make the world a more human dwelling place Um, Mm -hmm. when we're able to point I love when he talks about like the role of the lover right is the same the artist the role of the artist is the same as the lover right and it's to help us to see the parts of ourselves that we don't necessarily want to see, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) right? It's not always fun to see, but that we need to see in order to grow, to change, and ultimately Mm -hmm. to make this world a more human dwelling place. And so, he really compels me to paint and to also have the newspaper with me when I'm in the studio and my story with me and the stories of others, like to bring all of what's real in this world with me into the studio as I create work and try to shed some light upon things. And and that, that's part of what my role, I, I truly full on embrace, like that's part of what my role is um, in this life, both as an artist and as just a human walking, is to figure out ways to just love well, Uh right? Uh And loving well is not always saying the things that just give us joy and joy is good and I embrace joy, Um, but it's also really dealing with the hard things that um, hopefully bring about kind of change and transformation and and justice and healing and all of those things. Uh And so, that essay for me is like air in some ways. That really encourages me and challenges me to be a better artist um, and to uh-huh. be a better human in the world i love the line where he talks about like getting to the questions that are underneath the answers that we we have you know uh-huh. and that this uh-huh. idea of just always keep pressing into the mystery and and accepting what we don't know and not just accepting easy answers but just really pushing and i find the more that i push the more expansive what I can hold within the truths that I can hold the people that I can be in relationship with the beauty that I see in this world, it just begins to expand more and more. And there's, yeah, that essay is just so liberating for me. I don't know if it does it it for other people, but (laughs) it just really does it for me. And I, and as an artist too, I just love how honest he is and how, yeah, how he was just able to, he knew what he wanted to make and what his art was to do. And he, full on did it. And it was almost, Mm. I don't know, I don't know him personally, but whenever I read his stuff, I'm like, man, fear was just not crippling him. He was just like, Mm -hmm. you know, I have to say what needs to be said. And it's artistic and it's poetic and um, really thoughtful and brilliant. This next clip
0: comes from my recent interview with singer songwriter, Matthew Perryman Jones. Matthew is going to be performing at the 2020 The Breath in the Clay gathering along with Will Reagan of United Pursuit. You can hear more of Matthew's music on our Season 6, Episode 11. This clip is about the influence of Vincent Van Gogh's letters to his brother Theo on Matthew's album, The Land of the Living. Tell me how Vincent van Gogh's letters to his brother Theo how did that play into that
3: record Mm. well years ago a friend of mine knew I had this sort of freakish intrigue with Vincent van Gogh and not just as like not just his work but as a person I just was I just found myself drawn to him but didn't know a ton about him I just knew that I don't know it's just one (laughs) of those people that you're like hmm I don't know I just there's something about this artist and his work for sure um, and then a friend of mine this was probably 20 years ago gave me a book It was the letters that he wrote to his brother Theo the book is Dear Theo and it's just a just a compilation of those letters and just in reading those you get a, a closer glimpse of this really beautiful soul that just had this attentiveness mm-hmm. like the attention that he gave his life and everything around like you'd read a, a letter he was writing to Theo about just like walking to his uncle Seamus's house and in just the writing you knew exactly which direction the wind was blowing and you know what colors were exposed to him in the wall you know everything mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that was important you know I would do that I would if I was writing something especially now in text era <laughs> we just blow by all kinds of stuff right and just the fact that that was important for him to even put in there, <laughs> yes, yes, it showed how alive he was to yeah. what was around him and how much care mm-hmm. he gave to it. That inspired me. And so that just alone about him, but like, so this record in particular, how that ties in is, I was going back to some of those letters and I was going through a few letters and there was one in particular where he was coming out of a really dark spell and he talked about a visit. He was recalling a visit he had with his brother. He said, for the first time in a very long time, I felt like I was back in the land of the living. And I know that that expression has a lot of other historical, mm-hmm. like in the Bible and in Spanish culture, which actually, oddly enough, there's so much stuff just tied in without me even realizing <laughs> what that title, how that tied in. But yeah, so that's that one line stuck out to me in particular. Which is where the title in the Land of the Living comes from, um, was that particular mm-hmm. bit from him, and then I wrote the song O Theo as a. I just felt like I wanted to write a song about. Well, yeah, just I wanted to capture in a way uh, his story and and the bits that I felt connected with me, and and um, I, I co-wrote it with. Um, I was stuck with this one. It was a really <laughs> challenging lyric to whittle down and so I got my friend Don Chaffer who uh, is just a remarkable songwriter and l- lyricist uh, whose, whose lyrical sensibilities I just, I, I just um, admire greatly mm-hmm. and just trust. And so what we did is we sat in my studio and we literally just, I would talk, I would process some of the, the stories from the letters and some about his life and, and we would write lyrics on three by five cards. Mm-hmm. I remember don like laying on my couch and he he wear he was wearing these like goofy socks um i don't know why i remember that but um because you're would, attentive right? yeah I, or they were just goofy enough to remember but uh yeah so we would just toss these ideas back and forth to each other just really in the in the attempt to whittle down how do we whittle this down into like to capture the the essence yeah, here, yeah. and he was really helpful in doing that, and so we did it, and we kind of whittled it down, and um, and at least it captured the emotion I wanted, mm-hmm. and I kind of wrote it in the same way, like artists historically have always, a lot of times will um, paint their own face into a subject mm-hmm. as a way of. Identifying with that subject, and Van Gogh um, did Lazarus, and in uh, his yeah. painting of Lazarus, he put his own face in there as a way of identifying with that with him. And I kind of wrote the song as it were my story.
0: Okay, I have one last clip to share with you from our podcast guests who will be presenting at the Breath and the Clay Gathering in March. And in the background of this clip, you'll notice a beautiful composition titled Wide Awake by singer songwriter Ian Thornton. Ian will be teaching our songwriting workshop in 2020 as well. And by the way, you can see a full list of our artists and presenters on our website and by following the Breath in the Clay community Instagram at The Breath in the Clay. This clip features our good friend and community member Lauren Midgley. Who is a surrealist conceptual fine arts photographer. Lauren will be teaching our workshop on narrative photography. This clip is one of my favorite segments from our season opening conversation. Here Lauren shares about the role that dreams play in her photography and gives insight into some of her non-conventional methods of creating art. Take a listen. So do dreams influence a lot of what you make then in your photography?
4: Uh, They do sometimes. I would love to be able to say, like, every piece comes from a dream because that would be like the really cool artist thing to say, right? But (laughs) occasionally they do.
0: And so this dream with the necklace is what thrusted your art forward into what you're doing today then?
4: Absolutely, yeah.
0: What are some of the other influences that impact the subject matter that you choose?
4: Oh gosh, I honestly, I'm pretty ADD, I was actually diagnosed with ADD as a kid, so like I draw inspiration from the most random places a lot of times, but it's everything from the occasional dream that I might have, to these themes like depression, man, I want to show people what that looks like, what does that feel like, if you could feel it in an image, what would it feel like? And then I just kind of go from there and I think about various elements that I can use, either literally or figuratively to represent that concept.
0: Well, one of your pieces that I have found really striking is the one titled, Meeting of Minds.
4: Oh yeah, okay.
0: And I would love to hear some about the concept behind that.
4: So on that particular one, it's being willing to sit with your darkness a little bit and allow space for God to come into that. And reconciling the good and the bad. And it's not just, it's not even just the good and the bad. It's, you know, the butterflies and rainbows, but it's also the deep and the trenches. So, on that particular one, the thing that I wanted initially was for the hands to be meeting and touching in the middle. And I couldn't edit it that way because it just wasn't working for me. I I don't know exactly, I can't explain it. Some of it was probably skill related because I'm still learning so much about Photoshop. But I loved it in the end because what it did is it it created a tangent and kind of this tension between the two pieces. But it also represents kind of the space between, to me, and the bridging because, you know, the air we breathe, I believe, is the breath of God. And so to create space in between the meeting of the light side versus the dark side, it's kind of a cheesy way of putting it, but to me represents the spirit of God. Bridging that gap. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just a—that's pretty much in the summation. is just a willingness to face that in yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was really—it's <laughs> always a funny process. My husband is like, thinks he loves how crazy I am when I have these funny ideas, and I'm like, "Hey, babe, will you come downstairs and pour glue all over me?" <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "Okay, here we go again." <laughs>
0: All right, my friends, that concludes our Christmas Highlight Bonus episode. Don't forget to follow the link to thebreathandtheclay.com and secure your discounted tickets from us. And if you're an individual or part of an organization looking for a place to contribute your year-end giving, please consider investing in the Makers and Mystics podcast and the Breath in the Clay creative community. Your generosity enables us to encourage and inspire and walk alongside of artists doing incredible work around the world. You can find the link to give on makersandmystics.com and in the show notes of this episode. We hope you have a wonderful Christmas and holiday season, and we'll continue with our next episode of season six on January 8th, 2020. In the meantime, keep creating. The world needs your art.